Hey guys, we are pleased to say that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation charity. And now, a message from one of our supporters. Hi, I'm Manny Malpass, Metalhead from BBC Two's The Ranga Nation. Um, thank you so, so much for the work you do in the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Um, as someone that grew up different and was drawn to this community because I was different, the work that you do to combat bullying and to um, prevent prejudice for people like us, just because of the way we look, um, is invaluable. Every time somebody donates or raises funds for the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, they're working to ensure that nobody ever has to suffer again. Um, I'm very, very proud to have been able to donate to it in the past, and I, I hope you continue the work you're doing far, far into the future. Thank you so much. To learn more about this wonderful charity, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hey, Jamie, do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head on over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters, and much, much more. With a new fall line out now. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at Stay Cozy Clothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. My name is Mick Strawn, and you're listening to The Chronicles of Podcast. <laughs> well, communicate with my ass, boys. Welcome to Hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesday. And these are The Chronicles of Mick Strawn. Why Mick this week, Jamie? Well, we thought, why Mick? Why not Mick? Because this Friday, as you saw on Monday, we have Lydia Manson, an inspiring horror actress on the show. So why not speak to someone who has worked on some of the best horror movies there has been? Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4, Blade, just so many damn movies Mick Strawn has dabbled in. Yeah, Candyman, Boogie Nights. The original Mortal Kombat, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original Fantastic Four. The list is endless. The man has done it all. He's currently writing books at the moment. You can actually get one for Christmas this year. If you so wish to, just go find him on Facebook and get involved. But the reason we're also throwing back to Mick this week is because Lydia is a massive Nightmare on Elm Street fan. And we thought, we'll smash the two together. It clearly makes Why sense. Not? This interview is spectacular. It's chaotic is what it, it is. is. <laughs> not only for the fact that obviously we get to talk horror movies and get to, we hear all the stories from Brian, but Mick is an eccentric, massive personality. He's a wonderful human and he's fucking hilarious. So we thought, you know, it just made sense. It did make absolute sense. This into I remember recording this. I was so tired. I think I'd been awake for about 25 hours before we'd recorded <laughs> this. So I'm quite hazy on anything that happened. I just remember it being chaotic as fuck, but fun as hell. What a personality. And I want to shout out a big thank you to Keith McCleary as well for this, because he's the reason we got this interview. He uh, Mick reached out to me through Keith, um, because obviously we had Keith on our show. 
Uh, Keith wrote us a lovely, beautiful, nice little status, which we really appreciate to this day still because he's a wonderful human and we appreciate him as much as he appreciates us. And then Mick reached out to me and was like, hey, you have a podcast and I can talk. Let's do shit. Yes, he can. And Mick also has given us the greatest, funniest, most bizarre voiceovers we have for the intros of our show. And you will hear them at at the beginning of this way back as well. So Mick, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to sit down with us and chat and do and just be yourself. And that's what I love most about you is you're just a very wonderful human. And I love it. I love people that have personality. They're quite, you know, a lot of charisma are quite eccentric. Yeah. Just so funny. People who are unapologetically themselves, the best exactly. type of people. Uh, so this interview is wonderful and we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. Jamie, any final words? Nope. Just massive thank you to Mick. This was absolutely amazing. And we do need to catch up again in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the Chronicles of Mick Strawn. Ladies and gents, it's been said on this show before that we like to praise the unsung heroes of Hollywood. And today's guest is absolutely no exception. Today's guest has used his skills, talent and imagination to create some of the most iconic scenes. He's worked on many incredible projects, including Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4, Blade, Hercules, Mortal Kombat, and many more. He's a special effects artist, an art director, an author, a podcaster, and an all-around pretty awesome dude. Ladies and gents, it's Mr. Mick Strong. Is he here? <laughs> yeah, I think he's behind you. That son of a bitch owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> I think you just put him on the floor, didn't you? I just yeah, saw you I think you did. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just did. <laughs> Snuck back out. Oh, next, my friend. How has your last year been, sir? Uh, it's been interesting. What can I say? <laughs> honestly, uh, honestly, I, I, I moved to Tennessee uh, like two months before this, uh, this whole COVID, COVID thing started. And... Um, I, I, I moved here and my, my house, my wife and I, this, this house was just like a, a little tiny, uh, uh, my kid, my grandkids live in the big house, which is next door. Okay. And we got this small little house here, uh, that we've been remodeling. And, and I literally, <laughs> as soon as I heard about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the virus, I bought everything I needed to remodel my house all at once, and I made a twenty thousand dollar pile in the yard. Oh my fuck! <laughs> and, and, and and I'm finally getting down. I'm finally getting down to my six foot bubble tub. You know, so <laughs> so I have I have gone through everything. I mean, we we uh, I I put in seventeen windows. I you know. I, uh, this, this place had no windows and, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's finally looking pretty decent. We're finally getting there. So. Excellent. I mean, was it a house before, like if it had no windows, what was it before? Was it just a building or? Well, it was, here's the thing. This guy, uh, his family had, uh, 200 acres in Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And what he would do is he would, uh, he would go onto the property and he would build him a box, right? Okay. And from that box, he would then he would then make that his address, and then he would go and he would build an enormous castle. 
next door to the box. And that would all take him two years. And then, and then he'd sell it off. And then he goes to the next, to the next property. Wow. And, and what it does is every two years that, that means he doesn't pay um, uh, uh, taxes, uh, g- capital gains taxes. Yeah. Right. And, and he's been doing it and now he's like two properties down and we got this place. Uh, and so, so the places that he makes, you know, to live in, you know, he's a true, you know, Tennessean. So it only has to be a box. So I had to take this box, which is brand new, but it doesn't have any windows and it was two stories and they didn't build the second story. And, um, and I've, just made it look exactly like I want to. So. That's amazing. That's, that's like it's, the best use of this time I think I've heard yet. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, it's it wasn't you know it wasn't exactly how I wanted to do it. I mean I wasn't going to do all the labor myself, but beans is I I really couldn't have anybody come over and I I said ah shit no, I'm just going to have to do it. <laughs> well, fair play, sir. Absolutely incredible. So I, I mean, I, I literally, I, I, I just got all, I just got all the, the, uh, the drywall is now all done, and I'm about ready to like uh, finish up the painting, and I've been doing it like bit by bit, you know, as one yeah. person living in a house does, because you clear everything out, you, you kind of play, you know, those little blue squares. Uh, I when I was a kid. There were these little puzzles that were these blue squares that came in Cracker Jacks boxes. Okay. And in, inside of the inside of this blue square was like about uh, ten red squares, and you kept moving them around trying to spell the mm. word. Right. I, I think oh, I know what you mean. Oh yes. I think yeah. I know what you mean. So yeah, yeah. that's what my life has been like for a year. But uh, <laughs> you know, what can I say? It's been a lot of fun. You know, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's certainly. Uh, it's kept me busy. I mean, look at the wall behind me, huh? That's awesome. Absolutely. What is it? What is the wall made? Is it? Oh, you know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of different types of barn uh, metal. I was gonna say, it looked like metal. Yeah, that's awesome. Was, uh, my neighbor pulled a barn down. And I went, hey, man, you know, like I'm, just, I'm a hippy dippy. Like, uh, you gonna do anything with that metal? <laughs> Did you, get, did you just give it to you? What did you have to pay for it? <laughs> yeah, he said, "Fucking California, it's twenty up. To, fucking Californian, it's twenty bucks a sheet." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I said, and then I said, "Well, because I'm from California, I can afford it." I'll take it all. No, that right there, that was America in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> if you're oh. from California, if you're from California, you spent your entire life having absolutely everybody in the world come and live where you work and live, right? But when you're done being, you know, when you're when you're retired and you go, well, I can't afford to live here anymore, and you move it to another state, they they all go fucking Californians are moving in, and all oh. the property values are going up, and you go, oh, fucking certainly. So if he wants to charge me twenty dollars for a piece of old metal, <laughs> and I can afford it, yeah, that's, that's, if I well, I don't know. Know. Yeah. then I I let him ramble on about 
oh, Donald Trump did this and Donald Trump did that. <laughs> I can afford it and <laughs> take the medal and go home. Oh, you know oh, what my wife said? My wife said as I was coming upstairs, she says, you know, <laughs> you're going to be pretty interesting today. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, well, of course, when we spoke to you last time, you were really interested. So, obviously, having you back. Well, there, there you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm in a good mood. It's the glasses. Yeah, they look spectacular. You can't be in a bad mood in them glasses, to be fair. I, I mean, right, right. You know what? I used to, I used to be on set in, in the '80s, and uh, in, the, in the '90s, I used to. I when I felt my worst, I would put on a salmon-colored shirt. You know, like a really nice. You know, button-down salmon-colored shirt. Yeah, and and of course, I didn't weigh anything in those days. I, you know, tuck it into my tuck it into my like five hundred one Levi's. You know, <laughs> and walk onto set and 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 just make sure and just that my dick was hanging out. <laughs> As you do. As As you do. You do. I, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine describe, he, he, used to, he used to say, you know, he said, watching you in a meeting was hilarious. He says, because you would be sitting there like obviously bored and there would be like all these effects people and all these production people around you and stuff like this. And you just sit there and you just like be really quiet. And he says, and I'd sit there, I, I'd sit there like with popcorn going. <laughs> and, 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 and they would get around and they would say, well, we're going to do this this way. 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 And then, and then everybody would look at you and you go, oh, we're not fucking to fucking do it that way. Are you out of goddamn mind? You're, you're wrong because of this and you're wrong because of that. And you're wrong just because you're always wrong and you're wrong. And- <laughs> it's like, Mick, what do you think of this? Oh, he's got his dick out again. Let's That's exactly it. He said it was just like it was just like you know you wouldn't speak often in a meeting, but when you did, it's like first you laid your balls on the table. <laughs> just gonna like right anyway, boys. I go, I go, God, God, was I really like that? I go, oh God, yeah, you're really like. <laughs> he said it was hilarious. <laughs> I basically got anything done. <laughs> it's like I I didn't know I was. <laughs> But I've always, I've always been able to do this. I've always been able to really insult the hell out of you and tell you to go to hell, but make sure that you really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just, it's just a knack, you know. It's a skill. It's a skill you've it's mastered. A, it's a skill. It really is. <laughs> I, I don't even, I, I don't even know how. It's just. Just a way of talking. Uh, it was it was like everybody everybody kind of invents themselves when they go to Hollywood, you know. Because let's face it, everything that we're doing is fucking fictional in every anyway, you know. People ask, well, why do why does everybody in in Hollywood lie to each other all the time? It's because well, we're all just making it up as we go along. <laughs> well, like I used to say to people, I used to say, yeah, okay, this is going to be funny, be, it, and just. Remember, we're both hearing it for the first time. <laughs> Just start like, in, you know. Survival of the fittest. It's, that's it's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, and I, I figure, well, if I was going to make it up as I was going along, I was just going to be funny and an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fucking worked for you. Yeah, that's right. You know, it really did. 
<laughs> right. Mr. Strawn, take take us back. What did young Master Strawn want to be when he grew up? Um, employed. Uh, <laughs> Best answer again. I can't argue that. You know what? I here's the funny thing is, is I never really intended to be in the film business. I I just I just you know had a family early, and and just wanted to make. <laughs> and and believe me, this isn't. I'm not talking Nicholas Nickleby shit here. I just I just had a family early, and I I wanted what was better for them. And if what was better for them was for me to be a fast talking asshole, well, I was there for us. Smashed it. So so uh, I I. I this is you. You guys, you you guys are from you guys are from across that ocean, the Atlantic, right? We are indeed. Right. Okay. Um, the one of the first things that I did is I I uh, uh, my sister was doing a had got a job. She was a uh, costume designer in off 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 Broadway. Uh, you, you know the kind of thing where uh, they paid you. She she was doing costumes and they paid her like fifty dollars a week, and uh, in the meantime, in the mean, she would do that at at night. She would work with the theater, and during the day, she she would stand on corners and she would uh, sell uh, um, uh, less than uh, realistic uh, purses, you know. Okay, <laughs> like, like Calvin Klein or something <laughs> like that. You know? <laughs> Gucci, <laughs> Gucci, yes. <laughs> I saw, oh I saw, yes, all that. I all, 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 all the best off brands, and um, and she got a job with a uh, w- with a director, <laughs> and he got a job with um, he he got a job with the Canadian Safety Council. He was from Canada and he got a job with the Canadian safety council. They needed to get rid of $5 million. Um, and, and so they decided to do, to do a, a safety commercial. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so she, uh, uh, she goes, you know, the first thing that you do is you hire somebody who uh, knows that you don't know what you're doing, but won't turn you in, right? And so, and so, he hired her as the set painter, and so then she had the same problem. She had to hire somebody to come help her, who wouldn't give up the bag that she didn't know what she was doing. So that's how I got my job. Here's the great thing about it is so then we wound up doing the painting on this amazing science fiction commercial that that literally the gig ran for like six months. Um, it, it was an enormous it turned into an enormous commercial It was for a robot named Astrid that uh, from the Canadian Safety Council. And, and here's the funny thing is it, she f- does all these flips through space and, and we actually filmed them by. Uh, putting cameras, 35 millimeter cameras and zipping them up, you know, to where they're going like 300 frames a second. And she would go in these tubes that we made that had all these decorations in it that looked like space. Right. Yeah. And they'd film it 
And then this girl in this great robot suit. I mean, look up Astrid sometime and you'll, you'll definitely go, Oh, well, uh, so, uh, is it Astrid? Uh, look, uh, look up play safe. Uh, anyway, at the end of the commercial, the robot comes up and, and says, I'm, I'm Astar. Yeah, maybe it's Astar. Uh, I, I can put my arm back on, but you can't. And which was great because we had like horrible accidents on set. And we were, we were like, you know, our motto there was safety third at best. And uh, <laughs> we were a fucking disaster. And uh, so, so I, I'm, I literally did that. We did that for six months and then I went off and I just, I, just kept working there. I, I literally uh, wound up just kind of going from like from one weird project. And, and it seemed like no matter what project I touched, it, you knew about it uh, years later <laughs> for, for reasons that just, just weird ass. I mean, you know, all the horror films uh, that I did. And, and the thing is, people still remember horror films, right? But I thought that nobody would ever under would ever remember that play safe commercial you know i i was like oh man you know that probably uh that was five million dollars that 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 just you know went, went into a cave somewhere then i find out that that play safe commercial played in canada every afternoon for 40 years <laughs> Whoa, oh, geez. and i didn't find out about this until two years ago so some uh, i'm at I, I, I'm like on a podcast, a Canadian podcast. Who know? Who knew that they actually have podcasts in fucking Canada? <laughs> so, Hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. <laughs> Hi, Keith. He's a good friend of mine. He's a good lad. He's a good lad. Fuck you, Keith. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking McClary. Man, that guy. I tell you. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> So I'm just on this podcast and I, and I bring up that little story and, and these people go, Oh my God, that robot haunted my dreams for 30 years. <laughs> That's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. It was really weird. It was like, okay. So, so that's the story of like how I started and, and like what happened. And, and now that you're officially my therapist and I have to start paying you, let's get going. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I'm down. So is that how you got into the industry then? Was it just doing that commercial? Is that how you got picked up? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, and I worked, I worked then. I think that the first time I then worked again with my sister would have been like a, in uh nightmare on Elm street three. Uh, I got the job on as production designer after working or as art director, they just didn't have a production designer position, but I got the job as art director after putting together the effects with Peter Chesney and, and literally I was, I, I went down and, and was doing the billing for uh, image engineering, Peter Chesney's company after we worked out the snake and, mm. uh, and I, I'm just waiting there for the elevator to go up eight floors. And a, a friend of mine walks up and I go, Hey, Jerry Olson, how the hell's it going? Da, da, da. We get to talking and I go, he goes, well, what are you doing? I go, oh, I was just finishing up the effects on this uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. 
uh, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I just got hired as a producer on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And I, and we both walked into the elevator. And by the time we walked out of the elevator, I had the job. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Jerry, <laughs> you don't have a... And that was it. So I, I, I actually did get to do the perfect elevator pitch. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean... So was the was the production something you always wanted to go into, or is it is it just literally whatever you get your hands on, you do? Well, as in, yes, they paid money. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever it was, I'll do it. Yeah, as long as you pay me, I'm doing that, it. Do you want to act? Know, yeah, fuck it, that's it. Was, it. I'll be in it. Was, <laughs> the thing about it was, is this is is uh, I I do well in situations where you're plopped into the middle of it and. And you need to work your way back out again or something. Yeah, right? yeah. You know? I was like, yeah, okay, I got that. I'm, you know, I, I'm smart enough. I know what things look like. Ah, you're our director. Okay. <laughs> right. Up. What's up? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but my first job was Nightmare on Elm Street 3, so I didn't do bad. Definitely fucking done. Yeah, I mean, it's a great start. <laughs> So with your line of work and what you do, it must take a real creative imagination. So where does that come from? Is it have you been like imaginative since you were a kid, or is like something you've developed while doing this role? Uh well, I'm a hundred percent sure it's because I was bottle fed. <laughs> it, it, it was the search for a nipple. See, deep down inside. <laughs> oh my god, that was not oh. the answer I was expecting. Oh. Oh. Sorry. How do you uh, answer something like that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, kid. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh. See, see you're not so quiet now when. When you're actually when you're actually under the gun, not so quiet, are you? It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> Love you too, Nick. Thank you so very, very much. Anytime, baby. <laughs> oh, I, I, definitely not. Definitely not the answer I was expecting to that question. But there we go. Oh, but but okay. I'm. I can see that you're moving into the uh, director slash uh, writer side now as well. Damn. You've literally moved from one end and you're, you're literally working your way up. So um, you've got a lot of stuff in pre-production at the moment as well. Was that because did COVID stop that or was it just a case of you've just got a lot of fingers in many pies? Well, yeah. You know, I had a lot of, I had fingers in a lot of pies and, and, um, and uh, I think that it would have been, I would have shot, one film had it not been for COVID. Chase COVID. Um, uh, yeah, the house in the pines. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is is I kind of took a break okay. for yeah, you know, and I when I came back in, I came back. You see, my, my sister and I were uh, we would, although we didn't always design together. Uh, she died in a plane accident. Uh, about seven years ago and it, and that kind of made it uh that i i 
I then had to like deal with my mother and, and I had to pull everything back together on the family front and stuff. And, and part of that was just then in the end, moving to Washington and then moving almost immediately to Tennessee and, you know, just getting my feet underneath me. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, is, is that in the meantime, getting out of Hollywood, um, I did learn all of a sudden that that there were people out there who might know my name, who, which was such a fucking surprise. I just gotta tell you, you know, it was it was a very very strange thing to, you see, when, when you're in, when you're middle of working in Hollywood, uh, at least for me, uh, it, it was kind of like you wouldn't know that anybody gave a shit about what you did yesterday. I mean, literally what you did yesterday. I mean, you were, you, you're literally onto a tread for certain projects and stuff. And literally most of the two thousands, I was kind of the fix it guy that was doing things that, you know, I can't really talk about, uh, uh, but, but kind of the, the, uh, heavy competence and strong fuck you attitude. <laughs> 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 So, so literally, uh, I kind of walked away from things, and uh, and I just remember that I, I, there was honest to God, there was a day about I want to say maybe two and a half, three years after my uh, two two years after my sister died, <laughs> that uh, I, I I was looking at my phone because I, I got a new phone, I got an Apple phone now, right? You know? Yeah. And I think before that I had. A Samsung, but I really had never like bothered to learn how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a Samsung kind of requires that you actually know something about uh, your phone, <laughs> and I was fucked if I was going to learn anything about a goddamn <laughs> telephone. And then I got an Apple, <laughs> and and my Apple kept having this this notifications from Facebook, and I was like, huh, wonder what the fuck that is. And when I did, <laughs> I. I, I I answered this one thing and and this guy goes, Oh, I know you and I know all your products and I'm from Brazil and I did this and this and this and it was because you did this and this and this and this and this and this. I was like, huh. And I went over to my wife and I said, Hey, look, here's this guy thinks he knows who I am. <laughs> and and that kept happening. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. And, and all the, and then I noticed that that all of those projects that I did for years and years and years and years, uh, I kind of like hopped from one project to the other that are still popular. You know, I don't know that they were, you know, they they weren't great projects, and like, and most of them were, you know, horror. And, and to tell you the truth, when I was doing horror, um, you didn't really want to be the guy that did horror. Uh, you, you know, it, it was a hobby thing. It was, uh, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a hobby thing, but it, it wasn't the way that decent, uh, people made a living. <laughs> uh, okay. It was like, like we were, I, I mean, I, I'm not kidding. And I say this all the time and, and, and it, it's absolutely true is, uh, we were just, just above porn stars. Uh, it, it I mean, and, and just barely, you know, I mean, <laughs> It's because you kept getting your fucking dick out of me. Well, this this is what I'm saying. This is because I kept <laughs> leaving my dick on the table. <laughs> but but 
but it's it's like it was like the dregs of the of the filmmaking community was the horror and 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 that was true for like everybody that was involved in the uh in the second great you know wave of uh of of horror you know i that's that that's something that we didn't think of at the time but but you know that that came in later that you know the second golden age of horror was the 80s right mm, and uh yeah. And although we definitely tried our best, I mean, there was just no doubt, but we were always dealing with really low budgets and, and, uh, you know, terrible directors and all kinds of stuff. And we were always doing as much as we could with very, very limited budgets and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and not getting paid very much. I mean, cinema, uh, new line cinema wasn't, you know, known as the, uh, it wasn't known as the way that the way towards buying your house on the hill. So it's crazy because you think of how massive horror is now. So think back then, like if you're saying it's all low budget stuff, it's, it's just insane to me because that genre has grown so much in the past oh, like, 20, 30 years. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely crazy. And there are so many, and the thing is, is I mean, there are so many things that, that are aligned with it that have become super popular. I mean, you know, like uh, uh, the superhero stuff. Uh, yeah. Like mm. I, 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 I did the Fantastic Four back when, you know, uh, the, the guy who was holding the Constantine films w- was doing everything that he could just to hold on to the uh, on to the the property. Fantastic Four. You know, I, I, I mean, you know, he he was making deals with a uh, Roger Corman of all people to get it produced, you know? And, that movie's uh, hard to get. It's hard to find, isn't it, that film? The, it was what? It's hard to find, I think, that movie, the original Fantastic Four. Oh, it's, it's actually pretty easy to tell you. It, Is it? It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Here's the thing. I got to tell you the truth. That film, <laughs> it was like, it was made by Roger Corman for a million bucks, but those were Roger Corman bucks. And Roger Corman bucks are are like uh, a penny on a, a penny on the dollar at best. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. You can tell from fucking watching it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, a- absolutely. Ro- Roger Corman bucks are, you know, monopoly money's probably got a, a better exchange rate than a Roger Corman. <laughs> I've ch- I tried to watch that film. I couldn't finish it. it it's so bad. But- but but here's the funny thing I, I gotta tell you the thing about it is that I, I production designed it we had absolutely no money but it doesn't look like any of the uh, films that came later uh, because we actually only had money to make it kind of look like the comic itself right mm. you know I mean it did have its own look um, I I I I've apologized enough for that over the years by the way. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't, if, I don't know if you can apologize enough times for that movie. So. <laughs> well, that, I will say, I will say, <laughs> Doctor Doom looked good. That is literally the only redeeming thing about that movie. <laughs> Doom looked good. Well, you know, this literally the reason that he did this finger thing is because there wasn't anything on the mask that actually worked. It was literally just a mask. So he, I thought the thing looked pretty good. Hello, hello, <laughs> Jamie. You can't, Jamie. You completely can't. Yeah, you can't. Oh, did I? Yeah, oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. 
I thought the thing looked pretty good. That's, uh, mm, mm. I suppose okay. for 94. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, can you make him go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, should we stick to me and you, Mick? Yeah, we'll stick to me and you. Um, so, with the movies you've got to work on, then, how how are these pitched to? Do you have to pitch to them, or do they pick you up from... So, you did Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. So, you did Candyman, you've done Blade, you've done Mortal Kombat. You've done an absolute shitload. But, I mean, so, did they approach you to be like, oh, we want you to production design this, or art direct that, or create yeah. many things for this? Or did you... Yeah, go yeah. And go, you Here's my ideas. Yeah, usually I was, I, I was in the run if you wanted uh, a really big look... Uh, in a fantasy line, I, I, I mean, I was just like one of the kind of go-to guys for, for, and, and you, and you only, uh, you only had pocket change to do it, <laughs> so which wow. is terrible, terrible, yeah. pop, terrible uh, uh, reputation to get. And uh, Mortal Combat, uh, I was brought in as a fixer for Mortal Combat. Okay. Uh, I what do you mean by fixer, sorry? Yeah, that was about to say the same thing. Yeah. Ah, let me have a sip of my monster. <laughs> <laughs> and Uncle Mick and, will tell and, us a tale. And I shall get out the monster and tell you a tale. <laughs> I'll strap myself in. <laughs> Let's get the seatbelt on. <laughs> so, <laughs> a friend of mine called me up. He's a producer. And he says, hey, um, what are you doing for a little bit? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I got a film coming up. Just got moved back a little bit. Um, I'm just driving down Sunset Boulevard, wind in my hair, uh, my pants open, just ready <laughs> ready for anything. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, well, listen, <laughs> I want you to like go to such and such a screening room because we had screening rooms back then. We didn't do things by tape. And um, I got to the screening room. He says, he says, well, we fucked up on this. And I, and I need you to tell me what happened here. And so I saw the, the, the cut, uh, first cut of Mortal Kombat. And he goes, it, it, it ends. And he goes, okay, well, what, <laughs> what's wrong with this? And I go, well, um, you know, to put it simply, you made a you made a film out of a video game, and it looks like a video game. <laughs> and oh. He goes, "What do you mean?" And I go, "Well, you you have this. You made it look like the film, or you made it look like the game. In other words, you have these fights, and they're very uninteresting, and." you don't show or involve anything else around you in the fights. And it goes from one fight to the other. Mm, That's all that happens. And the thing is, is I can understand that the game is exactly that way. Yeah. And it was, but I said, the thing is, is that does not a movie make think of, and I gave him a, an example at the time, but uh, probably a better example for you would be uh, uh, what's the one with the six finger man? Um, uh, I don't uh, know. 
Oh, it's been just, good man. Just, uh, Princess Bride, right? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, th- think of Princess Bride. Think, think of the fight in the uh, in the Princess Bride, the sword fight, kind of at the very beginning. Okay, which is just a, a masterful piece of uh, of. Uh, of, of it's a dance is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's this great fight and it, it involves the set and, 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 you know, there's the, all this twisting and stuff like that. I said, everything that's right about that fight is everything that's wrong with Mortal Kombat. And he goes, well, okay, how do you fix it? And I go, well, so I, so we sat down and we had a couple of quick meetings because it was going to come out almost immediately. And I said, <laughs> "What? We'll we were we'll write we'll take the worst sequence out of the film, and we'll replace it with a sequence that includes the set more involved, and we'll take it to a new area, right?" And he says, "Well, how, how are we going to do that?" And I go, "Well, <laughs> we could always use an optical asshole," Pop. and. Uh, <laughs> And he goes, well, what's on optical asshole? And I go, well, you, you take the main character and you just go, <laughs> close it around him. And he goes, he goes, we can do that. And I go, oh fuck yeah! I'll tell you right exactly where you can do it. <laughs> and and guess what? Everything after the optical asshole opens up on the scorpion fight is mine. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah, that that scorpion fight. It's it's in like really darkly lit. A lot of oranges and reds. Memory serves right. And, and yeah. it's it, it's it's up in the bamboo. Yeah, and there's like scaffolding and yeah, yeah, yes, and I scaffold, yeah, yeah. Scaffolding is all bamboo. And and what we did is we used the scaffolding. What I did is I choreographed with um, Robin. We choreographed together a fight, uh, hmm. and uh, and then. Uh, and then went in and and built the steel infrastructure uh, in, in the middle of a of a hangar, of a um, a balloon hangar, and we blacked it out, and then uh, built the set. And the set was 130 feet deep and 100 feet high, 100 feet wide, and we just filled it with ladders in different lengths, uh, with the shorter ones up above and the long bigger well we we literally bought half of a half of a uh boatload of uh bamboo and just had delivered one truck at a time to the set and kept and we worked on uh, uh on eight lifts up and started up at the top of this uh and worked our way down and hung it all off the structure of the hangar and um Damn. and and the, the great thing about it is that we needed a way I had taken the idea from uh, from a picture in uh, in um, National Geographic of uh, a tribe uh, somewhere uh, like a Samoan, a, a, a splinter from the Samoan groups that had an island and they buried their um, kings on the side of a cliff uh, that had an ocean down below it, right? And okay. and they. And they literally always had these ladders and they replaced these bamboo ladders as they wore out so that they could go up and put offerings and flowers on their bearers. That's amazing. And the, bear, 
the bears were just done like ladder. So the ladders, so all we had to do is make ladders and <laughs> some of them were bears and some of them were ladders. And, uh, and we just made a huge, just got it, you know, just a, a huge uh, a process for making these. And uh, we hung everything with zip ties and then covered it up with uh, bandages. Right. Uh, yeah. Just, and the great thing is that we didn't want heavy weights. Uh, we did holding, pulling it down. So instead of using dummies for the bodies, we used um, blow up sex dolls. <laughs> <laughs> so Genius. when you see that scene and you look at the bodies out there, there's 60 uh, uh, blow up sex, sex dolls out there. And the great thing is that if you had looked, if you'd been there at the time and looked from the outside, because, you know, uh, it was hard to cover all these <laughs> mouths. And so what we would do is kind of turn the heads out so that as we're filming, we're actually going past, you know, you know, these mouths like this. <laughs> if you went to the other side, people like start cracking up going, fuck, check that out. <laughs> I need to watch that scene again now. That's fucking brilliant. I, I know I'm doing later. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so it's great because i i've got to look at mortal Kombat tonight the new one and and here's the thing is in order to get in that scene we literally we took out the the fight that was in the grove there was a fight in a grove right hmm. and it was like literally the dumbest thing you've ever seen it was like go oh, on behind this tree oh. <laughs> another guy runs over and is gonna go oh I'm behind no i'm behind this tree <laughs> superpower over there and it's like fuck man this is horrible and so i said that's where we're gonna open that up. we're gonna do our optical asshole is gonna open up right here <laughs> and that's exact and and boy i am telling you when you look at it you go oh fuck that's uh, he said optical asshole and that's exactly what it is that's all i'm gonna say now it's brilliant oh, I, I sort of guide you know if you looked at it backwards you'd go that is a shit worthwhile <laughs> <laughs> so I find the the creative process quite fascinating. Like you've just said, then you know you looked at this hanger and got all this stuff together and whatnot. Do you have like a process or a mindset you approach a project with, especially like in your early days? Like, do you watch similar movies to get ideas, or is it literally just you go in and you go, "This, this, this, I'm doing this." You know what? I know this is going to sound really funny, but uh, what I always tried to do is not bore myself. Uh, I, I know that that sounds funny, but it was literally what I did. You know, it's, I, I didn't like, I wasn't really a big fan of horror films. Um, you know, like most of horror films that I've watched, I've watched within the last, uh, seven, eight years. Uh, I, I was just a fan of getting the job done. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and I wanted to beat the other guy. You know, I, I know that this, that this sounds weird is, you know, when people are really honest about what their motivation is, um, my motivation was uh, just to be the best at what I did and, and what I, and to be good at horror. I, I had, I had an instinct for it, you know, yeah. uh, I, I just, I, you know, the thing that terrified me most is, is when, when I was a kid, was uh, watching a film called The Skull, which was a 60s terrible, terrible film. But it was just this floating green skull 
in the air. <laughs> 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 but but you know what the thing the thing that's funny is is uh there's a guy uh i can't remember he was a uh some horror uh actor and, and he said he read something that somebody else had written that said horror is the thing that you just barely catch out of the side of your eye and man that's absolutely true because most people it's are, are too blatant about what's gonna what's good horror like uh, think of it this way um if you open up the door to a house and there's a skeleton standing there. That's Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you, uh, if you walk up to the closed door and there's hundreds of flies, uh, banging on each other, making the light flicker around the light. That's horror. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have to, you have to understand the difference between the two. That's really um, clever. That's really clever. I like that. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, a really good example of, uh, to me is uh, the difference between alien and aliens. Um, hmm. Horror is is alien. And think to yourself how many times you saw the creature. You hardly ever saw the creature at all. Right? The end. That's about it. You, and, and the thing is, is and it, it blew it seen in the end. And by the way, that was shot way past principal photography is uh you know that was a bunch of producers figuring that they had to put the nail they, they had to put the nail in the hands of the director so that he of uh, ridley scott so that he could uh, put the nail in the coffin right you know and and it was too far and it looked like a rubber dummy right hmm. but the rest of the film was really really horrifying because you hardly ever saw the creature i mean the what you actually saw of that creature coming out of the black right yeah. you know it's 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 horrifying all the way up until you see it it's that fear of the unknown isn't it it's like you know that thing's there but you don't know what that thing is and that makes it scarier that's right you know and, and the thing is, is you're you're afraid that you're afraid that something's going to happen to you and it's building and it's building and it's building and yeah. all of a sudden you turn around and go bill where are we <laughs> bill bill <laughs> See, that's scary shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like, that's, it's that's like a, a, Sorry. Well, the thing is, I was, I was just going to say that these days, our horror is a little bit more um, uh, gore influenced. Mm. Uh, it, it, and I think that, and, and I have absolutely nothing against gore. I, I just think that. Uh, that true horror is, is, as a scary thing is um, is kind of more subtle in its way. You know? Yeah, I think true horror is less of what you see and more of what you don't see. Right. See, now, yeah. to me, the Nightmare on Elm Streets are, are, are more buddy flicks than they are horror films. I'd agree uh, with that. You know, like, like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I mean, everybody wanted to make it, you know, this horror film and... I said, you know what, let's, because I was given the choice. I said, no, I don't want to make it on all on the road. I, uh, I want to bring it back onto a stage and make it a fantasy film. And, and we did. And in that process, three and four 
to me became it became uh, about journeys uh, journeys in a dreamland you know mm. uh, i mean don't get me wrong i could i can scare people i just didn't see that that's what those two films were about yeah you I know they're about these amazing they they they're about these amazing journeys and 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 the thing is is there were so many things in there that were so much more sophisticated than uh uh than people think i mean you have uh the coming the, the thing is is we were trying to cr- create a uh, to get away from uh, a superman problem a superman problem yeah, you know what a Superman problem is, right? Nope. Well, if Superman can do anything, so how do you create a Oh, I see what oh, you mean. Oh, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is Freddy obviously has a Superman problem because eventually you got to go to sleep. And when you do, whack, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is they created the ability of bringing, uh, bringing people into a dream with you in order to get around that Superman problem. So here's what you had happening on, on the third is you, you had, uh, first of all, they let Freddie off the chain. Uh, Freddie, Robert England is an actual actor. I mean, he's a motherfucking great actor is what he is. And so what they did is they kind of let him start to improvise and, and pull his own lines in. And, and and let him become. I, I mean, let's face it. He, he he became a comedian in in the darkest sense of the word. And doing that, it made the series more popular and made it so that it was going to survive. Uh, and and we brought it onto the stage so that it could be more more of a fantasy and we also made it we got rid of the superman problem by making it so you could bring people into the dreams yeah and, I get you, man. and the thing is is that's kind of kind of where it was at for the rest of the series of films you know yeah the always fame around around it is either bringing him out of the dream or you can bring things in or there was taking medication so you stopped dreaming they right exactly yeah. but 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 all that made it that that made it so that you really did have, you know, different situations when you were inside of the dreams. Mm. You know, uh, it, it, it was more like a, a chess game. So, but this, the question I was going to ask, and she quite as we're mentioning Nightmare on Elm Street, so relates more to sequels. But what research, if any, do you do when taking on a project like a sequel? Like, will you watch the previous movies or you'd be like, I'm extraordinary, bitch. This is what I'm doing. Like an example be redesigning Leatherface's mask. Like when you, when you did the third Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is there that pressure there? Or you just like fucking really nailed it though. You really did. I had a feeling that might be the answer. (laughs) You, you've actually been listening to this podcast, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, that was pretty much because uh, I tell you honest, the god truth is by by that point I was at yeah you know what I don't like that, <laughs> and and the mask thing was particularly funny because uh, we uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard a story about this but uh, K and B effects w- were the ones that were making the mask Greg Greg Nicotaro, oh. and and they had they had really gotten big at this point, and um, <laughs> and. When, when 
when I, I went over to like take a, to approve the mask, and um, when I did, uh, I <laughs> as I drove up, there were buffalo everywhere, and I mean there were buffalo everywhere. There was the parking lot was full of buffalo. You had to park like two blocks away. Uh, you know, there the, the, there was there was buffalo that was actually taking up street parking. You know, they were. They, <laughs> well, think about it. Think about when it was done, because there was a film. Uh, uh, Kevin Kevin uh, Klein film called uh, uh, What the hell. Oh, I had it. it was right on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, he uh, it, it was an epic western, right? Mm. And, and so in this epic western, you know, they had to have buffalo, all, all these buffalo, uh, and uh, and Greg Nicotero was making the buffalo, but the buffalo were fucking everywhere, and it was really hard for them to actually focus on doing the mask because they were so overwhelmed with buffalo. I mean, I literally had to move around. A buffalo in order to talk to the guy that had the mask <laughs> i'm i'm like here on this side of the table and he was two buffalo away from me <laughs> so, so literally literally it was it was sort of that thing of <laughs> and, and and he was trying to be kind of um attitude because you know here was another production designer that wants me to come in and tell me what to do and uh the thing is, I had done an awful lot of what they did. You know, it wasn't like a matter of like, I didn't know what was going on. So when I finally did have to go around the two fucking buffalo, I just <laughs> cut the fucking mask up and told him to put it, put it back together like this. God damn it. And then I walked out. Nice. I love that. And so that's why that's why that mask is like kind of got the ripped up face. And, I, I you know, like mm. this It's because I just... <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I mean, can you do all your measurements in Buffalo now, please? Yes. <laughs> uh, what's your house you know what? at? About six Buffalo Two away? Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know that you're only two Buffalo away from me, mother. <laughs> so does your knowledge of special effects uh, productions and other things sort of like ruin movies for you now? So when you watch films, you'd be like, well, I know how they did that. I know how they did that. I know how they did that. Does it, it ever spoil it, the viewing pleasure? I wouldn't say that it spoils it. You know what? It, it It's uh, it's like if you really know a lot about jazz, uh, does that ruin the best jazz for you? No. Well, no, I suppose. I was just, it just made me think because obviously – Movies that's been enjoyed and watched, but I suppose if you watch it, I love it when it when it's done. And here's the thing: it's just like it is just like jazz. It's like when it is done well. When I watch a film that's done well, and I forget that I'm just a guy in the audience, that's that, that that's that's when I just I really fucking dig it. I mean, okay. I, I I give you an example. I give you an example. Um, uh, Road Warrior, not Road Warrior. What was the Mad Max? Oh yeah, Mad, Mad Max. I thought Mad Max was done so well that I stopped thinking about you know the particulars of how they did things. You know that okay. that that 
uh, I, I mean, and then later on I found out, you, you know, that, you know, so much of what he had done was practical and all the rest of this. And I was like, yeah, it was just fucking cool. You know, I, 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 I love, I love it when all of a sudden I just, it's just fucking cool. You know? Yeah. Like, so yeah, you, forget, you forget like, you know, how, yeah. So you just enjoy yeah, like, what it is. I, I'll give you another example is uh, what we do in the shadows, the film. Oh, what you a know, film. It, it's like, how, how, how do you, how do you, um, uh, how, how do you break that down? I mean, there was just so many flashes of brilliance in it. Like it's uh, hilarious. So. The, the, uh, oh, the, the, the scene of them sitting at the table when all of a sudden they come up like this, you know, <laughs> yeah. you go, you you don't say to yourself, Oh, how do they do that? You went, Oh fuck. <laughs> there's, there's a scene in that. There's a scene in that where he, at the very beginning where he opens the guy's room and it looks like he's like, like a mile away, upside down, fucking two people. Right. And you're going, oh my god! What? And he closes the door, and then all of a sudden, the guy's at the door going, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> right, right." I mean, they're just there. There are things. There are things that uh, I uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a film called um, uh, Dave Made a Maze. Nope. Nope. You, you ought to see it sometime because when when the Muppets happen, you go, oh, "Fuck Muppets." That's fucking amazing. <laughs> and now I'm painfully intrigued. I'm right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave made a maze. You know, it, it, and, and here's the thing. In all honesty, you have to send me a message when you see the Muppets and go, fucking Muppets, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, 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 else, what else was it going to be? It couldn't be anything else. I'm actually writing fucking Muppets right down as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, tell Mick, tell Mick, yeah, the, the, the Muppets were necessary. I mean, it, it had to be done. I, I tell you, I, I think that, I, I think that some of the independent stuff that's being done these days is, is incredibly brilliant. I think that the overall, the overall style of writing, uh, the overall, you know, style of acting, you know, makeup effects, even, even CGI, if it's used correctly. You know, if it's used, if it's used, if it's set up correctly, you know, can just be absolutely brilliant. And I think that I don't think that films need to be made for as much money as the, as we used to. I mean, uh, the Marvels are the ones that just go and spend the money. Right. You know, yeah. let, let those let those be their own thing. You know, uh, I, I, I equate I equate the place that we're at. Uh, movie making wise uh, I relate it back to the beginning of the last century um, when uh, in 19 uh, the 1920s and stuff where uh, just as talkies were coming out you know they had all the they had all this new technology you know they had this great they had film and and you know they they uh, they, they had sound and they could tell these great stories and and th th they they didn't really, they were still working on distribution and stuff. And the thing is, is then they developed past that they developed for like 80 years. Right. And, and the stuff that we were doing was just the, the refinement of that 80 of that 80 years of doing it virtually the same way. You know, I, I say, I say that, you know, if, if in 1939 you'd walked 
uh, off of a stage uh, in in Britain or walked off of a, a stage in Hollywood uh, and then turned around and walked back in to that same stage in 1985, you would have pretty much known kind of exactly what was going on because it was the same fucking thing that had been going on when you walked away, right? Yeah. Well, what's, um, what's the saying? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, it's it's just refined. It just yeah. took that many years to, to you know, because, and you have to remember it was a business, you know? Mm. Um, it isn't as much a business anymore I, I mean there's people out there that are that are that that are doing it just for the passion of it you know i mean uh, i did a film called vengeance uh recently that was um that was a fan film um it was just so interesting because i i didn't understand uh, at first you know what is it what is everybody doing here <laughs> <laughs> what why I mean, why, why did you show up? Why did not, not why did you show up for three days? Cause chances are you couldn't show up for three days. Cause you had to go back to your job at the seven 11, but, but you were there for a day. <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> and then after a while you start to look at it differently. Uh, I think that uh, people of my age who've been, working in the film and, and overpaid for a good period of time, you know, can, can get a little jaded and I'm trying to de jade myself, you know, probably, probably, prob you, you know, <laughs> if I could just get a little bit trimmed off of my dick, then I, uh, it would def that would definitely work, but that ain't going to happen. I would fit better. <laughs> but it wouldn't have as much as an effect when you lobbed it on a table. And so. yeah, well, <laughs> oops, missed the table again. <laughs> You, you've worked on so many amazing movies. I, I was wondering if we could just discuss, uh, because I'd be here all day if we spoke about all of them in detail. If we, we, any, we could talk about a couple, like in particular, just any memories or stories you can tell or details yes. of can what I you tell did. One? Yes. Stop talking. No. <laughs> so you you worked on okay. a ton. Sorry, Karen. Uh, I <laughs> uh, there there was uh, a film called. Um, Oh, what was that? Mark Wahlberg in it. Um, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell a, quick a quick story about Boogie Nights. I have some really long stories about Boogie Nights. But when I say long... <laughs> so... Like a, like a book. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, we... Uh, uh, I was working effects with... Uh, um, with a company in, in in town because between, you know, uh, between being production designer, I would go and, and hide and, and do just special effects, you know, for a couple of months until like my next project, you know, came, came around. And uh, I was uh, working. Uh, I, I came in, I get out, got into the office like late in the morning, you know, like eight thirty or nine o'clock and, and they put a script in my head, hand and said, "Here, go to this address. Get across town." And uh, and 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 I grabbed the script and I throw it in my car and I start driving across town. And and I get there, and there's a procedure. They they said, "Oh, the the production meeting is happening right now." Now, here's what the production meeting is. Is he either one of you ever been work, worked in film? No, no. I'm afraid not. Now. Not Don't been lucky. 
Yeah, don't start now. Uh, so you walk into you walk into a room that's got like thirty five people on it. All the department heads, anybody that's important, you know, um, and uh, they're all doing a read through of the script, and it's a technical read through. So the first AD turns the pages and and you know and says. Da, 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 here's the first scene. Uh, let's talk about it. And then they talk about the first scene. What, what's going to happen, right? Hmm. So I had just gotten the script and, and this happened all the time. So there was kind of a procedure for it. So what you would do is you would like, you'd grab another script from off of the counter and you'd slot, slop that down and you'd open it and you'd follow the, first ad with that script and in the meantime you'd take your script and you'd madly try and get ahead by holding it down here right <laughs> and and you madly see if you could get a yeah two or three pages ahead and so i'm madly going ahead and, th and it's boogie nights right and they're going through it and they're going through it and i'm going ahead and i'm going ahead and i and i read it i'm two pages ahead and i look and i went and and uh Mark Wahlberg's character pulls out his enormous 12 inch cock. And I, and I look up and I look at, and there's, and I knew the, I knew the prop guy and the prop guy is sitting right across from me. And he goes, yeah, he said, yeah. And it's right here. And he reaches down. <laughs> he grabs this, he, this paper bag and he slaps this paper bag down in the middle, the middle, literally the middle of this table, three, five people sitting around it. And he reaches in the bag and he pulls the bag off. And there's that hairy 12 inch long dick sitting on the table. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I have to tell you, and that film just went downhill from there. <laughs> I mean, literally downhill from there. I mean, I it was like, it, it just got weirder and weirder and weirder. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there, there are stories. I literally sat 16 hours in a little tiny washroom with two other guys with little staring guns so that we could shoot on the skin of two people that were fucking each other for 16 hours. What? During the party scene. Remember the party scene at the very beginning? I barely remember that movie. From I've seen it once when I was young. I don't remember exactly. it very well. Well, the funny thing about it is, is, is I kept thinking to myself, you know, I, I might've imagined being in that room for 16 hours. And, and I told that story because there's a lot more to the story. I mean, it really, it really was. Uh, uh, let me just tell you, your brain just goes to like other places after a while, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's like after a while, I think I started to uh, imagine that, she, you know, that that she was just petting a kitten or something. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and and so I'm. <laughs> I literally thought that maybe I had imagined that. And a guy wrote a book about that film. Why anybody would write a book about that film? I had no fucking idea, but it was about three years ago. He wrote a book about the film. I told him that story and he kind of like was like, really? Okay. 
<laughs> okay. And he calls me back up about a year ago and he goes, dude, I have to tell you, I finally met the girl that was in that was that was in that room for you and she, you she absolutely corroborated everything and i was like yeah okay that really did happen <laughs> you mean, you mean <laughs> that really happened i mean sit in the room for 16 hours oh just i'm not supposed to have fever dreams just oh it's it's just good lube that's all it is that's all it <laughs> You know, you talk about your astro lubes, man. Mm. Oh. God damn. It's either, it's, it's either either great lube or axle grease. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> One of the things in your career that is, is what a personal highlight of mine that I absolutely love is your work on Blade. Because didn't you do the shower scene in the opening, the blood shower scene? I did. Yep. What can you tell us about that? Because I, it's, it was honestly one of the greatest opening scenes in fucking cinema. I love it so much. I, you, you know, we set that up. Uh, we experimented with that blood forever. Uh, we, we found out, we found out more things about pumping um, a, a semi-viscous fluid, fluid because we didn't want it to be like uh, Evil Dead 2 where, you know, it, uh, where it looked like, uh, you know, water. Mm. You know, like red water. Um, we literally used uh, dough heads. Um, you know, for, for making bread, they 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 have a, 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 a like these inch, uh, inch and a half uh, heads that you pass that they can hot pressurize uh, dough through, right? Okay. We had, to, okay. we had to we had to use those instead of we, we made them look like they were fire sprinklers. But when you look at them and you think to yourself that they're they look really large, well, that's that's they're not my penis. It's uh, <laughs> they're actually enormous uh, heads. Uh, it's it's we had to do that. We used thirty five hundred gallons of uh, of of essentially a uh, methicil kind of a, a, a thickener food thickener. And 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 color and it was chlorinated and because it chlorinated it changed colors and we had uh, a ring of emergency showers that were all the way around the building. It was such a you have no idea what a huge deal that that scene was. You know, plus oh. you know we had three pumps and you know uh, it, it took three pumps in order. If you're watching it like the pressure surges and then surges and then really surges. And that's the three separate pumps coming online. And um, it was a huge deal. My daughter, my daughter was uh, uh, one of the dancers uh, in the oh, that's room. Cool. And, and, and she got caught between a couple of uh, taller people and, uh, and almost drowned. Holy Fuck. Yeah, Fuck. because because that stuff was coming down so fast and they were pogo dancing, right? Mm. Yeah. You know? And in the pogo dancing, you don't separate, right? And it was coming down so fast and so hard that she being less than they literally uh literally uh 
had 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 to uh, have some somebody on the set actually got her breathing again. Whoa! Holy which, shit, man! Which what kind of irony would that have been on that particular? And that was a fucked up film anyway. That director was an asshole. He was British, by the way. <laughs> Oh, yeah, understandable. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah, I came up with a theory, uh, kind of my own personal theory about that. You know, he, he was a he was a truly aristocratic British asshole, and um, uh, I I thought to myself that you know if he'd grown up and and I really hate guns and all the rest of that, but if he'd grown up in a state in a state like Texas, he would have never made it. He would have never lived long enough to actually come and be a plague on my life during Blade. <laughs> Did you just do that one scene in that movie as well? Uh, you know what? I I didn't get along with the director, and I I did. There were several other things that I that I did, but after a while, I just kind of uh, decided to go home and live my life. Fair enough. He's just such an asshole. Well, about Wesley Snipes, was he was he the similar? He was an asshole too. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not surprised you laughed. God, you know the thing. The funny thing is, is come to think of it, everybody was an asshole. And the problem was, the problem was, is everybody had better lawyers than I did, right? <laughs> so, so you know what? When that happens, you go home. You just fucking go home. I'm sorry, right? Mick. That's and so I mean, shit. Oh well. You know, it's it was truly, truly. You have to remember that that uh, these are businesses. You know, yeah. I mean, the direct the director was such an asshole that he literally got jumped twice during the film, and they had to like shut down filming and and literally negotiate back onto. He had to negotiate back onto the set twice. Holy once f- a cameraman jumped him, and once a the key grip jumped him. Holy shit. I mean, shit. Jumped, him, jumped him and beat him up. I mean, literally Fucking beat him up. Hell. And then he went, uh, and, and the thing is, uh, I guess in the long run, you know, uh, you get what you deserve because this, this guy literally went on to do, uh, what's the gentleman, uh, 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 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the only two films he did. Literally, Blade and Lee of Extraordinary Gentleman. Now, Blade, I, I think that he did by accident. I think Lee, <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, I think he deserved everything that he got. I mean, I bet you wish he was still there to be the third person to jump in. <laughs> yeah. Nah, you know what? That life is too short. Yeah. There's, there's so many, de- there's so many people to jump in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you if you're gonna start, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh. So, so when you're on You Suck Alive, you sort you sort of touched on the fact that you did and didn't work on the Buffy Buffy movie. What happened with that? <laughs> well I I uh, got the job with Josh Whedon to be his production designer. And uh Josh Whedon uh irritated the fuck out of everybody and uh, got uh fired. And, um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I had to shut the door for him on the way out. <laughs> oh, you want me on that? Oh, I see. I see. Okay. I'll go to this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going to do? You know, you hold the door and you go, well, I'll hold the door. And, you know, he goes through and you shut the door and then they're all looking at you and you go, 
Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, see, I get it. Oh, yeah. I was with. Yeah, I. That's right. I came with. He's my right. I'm sorry. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the other thing you touched on, on on the live show that you joined us for before was you mentioned that you worked on Sid and Nancy, but I didn't see any credits. I for did. That. What? Well, I you know fucking what? love that movie. What did you do on with Sid and Nancy? <laughs> here's, here's, here's the thing you have to understand is um, that um, I guess. I just realized I was going to say that IMDB is not the Bible, but it, it actually kind of is. Everybody looks at it all the time and it's all fucked up. Yeah. So, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but there's right. nowhere else to look. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's right. You know, and the thing is, is you're entirely like, I, I did a film called uh, the night of the night of the scarecrow with uh, Jeff Burr. And I don't think either one of us ever showed up on uh on imdb for that one thing is there there are a lot of things that i did that didn't show up and but i know exactly what happened on sid and nancy is i built i built the chelsea hotel and okay. i built all, and i built all the clubs right all the clubs were shot in hollywood all the interior of the clubs hmm. including the one with the enormous toilet and and you know I, I just have to tell you how difficult it was to keep a bunch of punk actors in the late uh, 80s, early 90s from shitting in an enormous toilet, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like invite mayhem into your life. All right. Hello. I got an idea. What we're going to do is we're going to get 500 extras. They're all going to be punks. And then we're going to put a fake toilet on the, ba- but better oh, than that, better than that, let's make it an enormous you know, let's get the toilet from the 50-foot woman and let's put that on set. Good idea. To oh, be yeah. fair, I probably would have done the same. I probably would have well, tried to use it. Hello, what do you, do you think <laughs> we didn't want to shit in the goddamn <laughs> Show like a massive sign. Please don't shit in this toilet. <laughs> this was before DNA tracking anyway, so. Uh, so did, anyone uh, actually, did anyone actually shit in it? But I, I got to tell you what, w- one thing that I did do, that it, it, anyway, I, we built and art directed that, uh, the Chelsea Hotel. And and, uh, and I thought that we did a really great job. I, I thought it, that it looked stunning. Uh, we did it with Ray Fox and, and Linda Burbank, and, and they did uh, set dressing on it. And, and, and these guys, uh, they were just crazy for detail. I mean, they would, they, they, they literally sat there with, with you know, like uh, – uh, 50 packs of gum and, and, and went to uh, uh, her side of the table of the bed, her side of the bed, you know, where, hmm. where the, and literally took 50 pieces of gum and chewed it up and put it, you know, on the bed stand, <laughs> you know, oh. just, just like detail oriented, you know? Um, uh, but uh, I, I remember <laughs> it was a British crew uh that came into town and the British uh, kept the camera crew. Hmm. I don't know if I said this at, at the time, but uh, we were, we were three stories up uh, on the stage and we had this big freight elevator that, you know, would come up and, and <laughs> in the morning, the first day um, the uh, camera people uh, came up and, and, as they came up, they sang "God Save the Queen," coming up the open, <laughs> you know, this huge open elevator, you know, and and they 
They had obviously rehearsed it because the harmonies were perfect. <laughs> I mean, you don't get that out of fucking blue, right? You know, so they sang God Save the Queen as they came up the elevator. And so then uh, a half an hour later, the grips came up and they had heard about, you know, the God Save the Queen thing. So they came up with the Battle of New Orleans. We fired okay. our guns and the British kept coming. There wasn't quite as many as there is a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> we fired them twice and the British started running and down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> I gotta say to this day, that was like one of my favorite ever things was hearing that. That's amazing. I, I love your hearing you tell stories. That's they're amazing. But I I I've got to ask, because I could there's gotta be a story in here as well. Has a director ever come to you with what they want and you've just been like, no fucking way. It's just not doable. Uh, yes <laughs> every film <laughs> uh, you know what eventually eventually a director is going is is going to do that and, and what you have to do is you first of all you have to real realize that this stuff just doesn't just happen um you know one of the problems that i have with chuck russell is a problem that everybody had with chuck russell uh, uh like on nightmare on street three is that you would discuss it and you would like turn in diagrams and you would have pictures and, you know, circles and arrows and, you know, and, 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 and then, and then you would build all of it. And then you'd look at it and you go, yeah, you see, now I know that this, I don't know what I want, but I know that it's not this. <laughs> yeah. After you fucking built it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is, uh, I mean, Wayne Bren is putting out a book uh, about Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and uh, or about the Elm Street series. And he had me write the forward for him. And uh, I I wrote about going to the uh, going to the uh, uh, cast and crew screen of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And as I as I was parking my car, uh, Chuck Russell crossed the street in front of me. And I let him live. <laughs> and the funny thing, and I say, and I let him live. <laughs> I hope the people who, I hope the guys who did the blob forgive me. Because <laughs> that was the next thing that he did. So, um, you know, it, I, it, it was better. It was better put. You know, I had time to like, you know, write it down. You know. <laughs> Talking of uh, the books, so uh, so yeah, that no, that happens a lot, and and you know what, you just uh, you you just gotta like not panic and 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 you know, know that your idea, yeah, was better. Yeah, know? without without um, actually just to tell them. Yeah, but, you know, I I mean, I, I remember one time I, I was on the set with uh, Paul Michael Glazer on Kazam. And uh, and we had like created this effect of a of a, a tornado coming up for Kazam coming coming right, and part of the tornado effect was to have debris shooting this way and debris shooting that way, you know, like behind it, right? Yeah. Mm. And, and and the the guy, I, I got to tell you, it, it was a really tough situation because his wife and child died like literally nine months before of AIDS. 
and, Fuck. and he was in this Shit. super fragile state and uh and uh he goes well wait this doesn't look like three dimensions it doesn't look anything at all i see stuff going this way and stuff going that way and and everybody kind of said okay mick uh mick strong would you please come to set i was like yeah what, what do you want what do you guys want we want you to explain something to paul and then they all left oh nice thanks thanks guys thanks that's 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 the kind of shit that I got for years then from there on. You know, the problem was is I was then successful explaining it to him because I said, uh, Paul, here, do me a favor. Let's look at the effect and you close one eye and I'll close one eye and we'll look at it and we'll see if it still doesn't hold together for you. And we did and it worked. And he goes, oh, he says, well, I just needed somebody to do that. And I go, okay. I'll be, in my I'll be in my yeah. office shitting. <laughs> I'll be in my office shitting in a fucking huge toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so on the flip side of that question, though, have you ever done a setup for something and an actor's been just like, I ain't fucking doing that. Been <laughs> a complete ass about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, well, I, yeah, yeah, I've had problems before with actors. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I, I, I had a guy named Joe Lasky that was, uh, he, he was a, a, an actor who, uh, was, he was enormous. I mean, I, I'm huge now. I think he was 400 pounds and, um, and, uh, he had to do this, this film where he had to ski. Uh, he had to r ride in a sleigh. He had to like do all all this shit. And the thing is, is, he just couldn't. He he told them. He told you know when they asked him at the, oh, can you ski? Oh yeah, sure, I can ski. You know, ah, um, one of them. You know how to ride a horse? Oh yeah, no, I I'm a champion rider. You know, this guy couldn't fucking do any of that shit. Man. <laughs> it's like, and whenever he got in trouble, he called me on the set. I was like, holy shit, how did I get that job? Literally. Literally could not get onto a, uh, a ski lift, right? Wow! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, well, and here's the thing: the thing is, is if if you can't get onto a ski lift, and then somebody does figure out a way for you to get on it, <laughs> then you gotta get them off at the other end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that close. was really rough. <laughs> <laughs> Four oh, hours boy. later, still there. <laughs> I, the thing, the thing is, is he is. We get up there, and it's like uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, now you got to get off because this thing's gonna keep going. He's, what do you mean it's gonna keep going? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't get him off the first time. We went all the way back around, all the way down, <laughs> and then the next time, and next time, as we were getting up there, I just got back and literally. Uh, <laughs> he leans back and he knew that I was going to push him out, right? And so he leans back and then I lean back and the next thing is the rocking and everything like this. And finally, we just spill out on spill out onto the way. <laughs> and, and 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 the the uh, the thing went so low that it literally scooped him up with one ski. Right, one of the skis got caught in the thing and literally like just started to drag him around the ground. It was like. <laughs> This is a good time. This is a good fucking time. Oh, you oh, can yeah. guarantee that man never wants to think of that film ever again. Well, he's dead. 
So well, you're never going to think about it ever again then well, anyway. So see, then, yeah. I, you know what? Things just work out in the long run. <laughs> so we mentioned in the intro that you were an author. <laughs> like that tone doesn't even know what to say about that one. No, no yeah. Uh, I was. I know. It's just because I was going to. I was going to talk and Jim beat me to it. So oh, that was all. You go ahead. I've asked loads of questions. You go. Ahead. That's, that's, um, so I think he was going to ask the same question. Actually, the book behind the screams about yes. Nightmare on Elm Street yes, three. Yes. How yes. did that all come about? Then what was the idea behind that? Why was it? Let's do a book about that one particular movie. You know what? I, it was. It was one of my favorite films to work on. Uh, it okay. Was, uh, it was really. It, it was really, really, really complicated. It was done in a very short period of time. Uh, it it was at the very beginning of so many's so many young people's career that went on to just be the major. I mean, you had Kane B, Chris Biggs, you, you know, uh, you had John Beekler. Uh, the, the thing we had to do is take the effects and uh, screaming Mad George. We had to we had to take uh, every effect and give a different effect to everybody in town in order to do it. Because we started filming it, we started we started pre production in February, and it was released at on in August. So that for a film of, uh, at that time of that size was just was unheard of. Yeah. And so so because of that, we got the whole town, and it was my job to coordinate all that. We got the whole town working on it at one time. Wow. Uh, so that's, you know, so we, we had like great moments. I, I mean, and the thing is, is, it was a very positive film. You know, it was like, a, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just fucking work it out. Um, I, I remember, I remember uh, I had three people telling me the story of the dog pissing fire and um, how there was this discussion going on between uh, the mechanical effects people who, who, you know, do the fire and the makeup effects people who made the dog and, and, and like literally as the camera starts to roll, one of them turns to the other. And literally you hear uh, in the book, there's different groups are saying, yeah. And then in that discussion, we're talking about um, how uh, we're asking each other. So, so you fireproof the dog, right? Well, what do you mean? You know, did we fireproof the dog as the dog goes up in a ball of flame, like in the background? Fuck. So, they <laughs> so, oh, so then they they try and film it again but but the they they literally have to like spray paint the dog <laughs> so and and the thing is is they didn't give you enough they didn't even give enough dog they they only had like like half the dog like just the back legs you know just that's that so you had to frame it really really tight <laughs> yeah. frame it really really tight but you know basically it, it was a spray painted uh, uh you know it, the great thing is 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 uh everybody all these people had all these great stories about uh and, and they're just not the stories that you ever hear I mean, all the stories that you hear, are like a, you know, about some fucking star and their goddamn agent. And, oh, my yeah, agent. yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what I noticed as well when I was doing my research is, I love the way you sign your books for fans. This is it's what are you brilliant to say? with the stories you write in the inside cover. Oh, oh. Let's see if I've done any recently. I guess it's brilliant. You're right. you're right. I I I have done a lot. Um, let's see if I've done anything recently. 
See this one. Oh. Dear Ryan, I can forgive myself for writing this piece of shit, but <laughs> what of the people that buy this stuff? Where is your personal Idaho, and is it really just a bag of burning dog shit? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Not to me, but it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Here's one. Here's one. Dear Chloe, so this little piece of shit is off to Australia. Well, good riddance. It knows what it did. <laughs> I love him so much. I was roaring. Could you put some on your Twitter? And I was absolutely roaring reading them. <laughs> Let's see. My dog looks so cute sitting on the couch, licking his balls, making a real nutsack meal of it. I thought it would be sweet just to have him lick the cover of your book. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so good. So that's yeah. That's uh. That's kind of uh. Oh, yeah. That, it. It, it's that sort of thing. <laughs> Just don't, whatever comes dear, to your mind at the time. Dear Frank, don't breathe on this book. Wear a mask while reading. Wash your hands after use. It won't give you COVID, but your penis may fall off. <laughs> Dear Michelle, this is a lame bunch of words. However, I'm sure you'll pass this on to your children's children because this is the best we could do in 1986, <laughs> you little cougar, you. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I really don't. Oh, oh, so, oh, dear Arvid. Arvid, what kind of fucking name is Arvid? Dear Arvid. <laughs> So I hear you can't read, you have a low IQ, and you soil yourself often. Boy, have I got a book for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What made you start doing this? I'm just here these? to have fun, goddammit. <laughs> I, 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 so I am only here to amuse myself. Oh, I love it. But before we get out of here... I wanted to talk about what you've been doing recently since the movies. I read somewhere you build guitars and amps. Is that right? I, well, I have a guitar over here. Let's see. I have a bass. Oh, is it the one that looks like it's got a chocolate river running down it? I love that one that's on your Facebook. Bye, mate. <laughs> Oh my god, that's, that's so cool! Damn, man, where did you, where did you want to start doing that for? Then what? Just you like playing, but that's so lush. Do you like playing instruments, or was it just like fuck it and make some guitars? Because uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I know how to play. Awesome, uh, but better than better than that, I know how to make, <laughs> I know how to make good looking ones. So. There's that one you put on your Facebook and looks like it's a, it looks like it's a chocolate river. It's absolutely. Oh amazing. yeah, I just I just put the update to that one. I just found a closer a close up of it. That's uh my that's my brother in law's left handed uh, 
pace. It's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's left-handed, left-handed fretless. So lush, absolutely stunning piece of work. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, but I also noticed that you've been making roach motels. Yes, <laughs> as well. That's also from the movie as well. So like, and you've been starting right. to send them off as well. They look. I have. I, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do weird shit. Yes, nothing wrong. I think it's incredible. I just, you know, you know how hard it is to keep me entertained. Yes, <laughs> I I think you get that. I think I think that this whole thing, you've got the idea. Absolutely, it's it, it's, it's a whole. You know, this uh this kind of in insanity. If you ask me why I'm good at being a impression designer and so forth, it was just because uh, I could tame uh my insanity you know <laughs> it's good i love it yeah that's, that's that's really that's really honestly you know it, it's it, i think that you have to be out on the edge in order to make things look interesting and uh it, and the trick is to tame that you know is yeah that, so you know i i have often said this that the problem with most people who are really creative is is not coming up with the ideas it's limiting it's just cutting them off you know making them stop long enough to make them into what you need you know hello tom have you got any more questions um just one more actually um you have a little podcast that you do called the dream warrior review I do. Where you just review movies and stuff like that. Was that just something that was, because obviously you did like 300 episodes now, haven't you? Yeah, I know. It's just weird. Incredible. It's, it's literally some friends of mine, a friend of mine and I uh, have been uh, doing that um, on Sunday afternoon for um, so long that, I mean, literally we, I, I moved to Washington for a short period of time and uh, we went to see a movie together. And on the way back, we thought, hey, this banter that we're doing sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And so we turned it into a podcast and we didn't know anything about making podcasts. And, uh, a- and it's been going ever since. Absolutely fantastic. Love it. it it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, you know, every, every once in a while I get to tell a story. And, uh, and, and, and I think that he's hilarious, too. You know, he he's actually got like a real voice for you know a voice for radio, and I've got a face for radio. So <laughs> everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> just got a quickly now. It just you just made me think of it. Actually, in the future, you will be teaming up with a good friend of us all, uh, Mr. Keith McCleary, on a Tactics TV. I'm I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to get together. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, I, I I'm having like this period right here where where everything is like peaceful and, and it's almost like uh, I don't want to destroy it with doing a, another podcast for a little bit, but, uh, but pretty soon I'm going to get together and, and we're, we're going to, the, the idea is kind of this is, is I, I love looking at stupid things Americans do, um, you know, uh, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, what really inspired me is I saw a picture of our, of, like one of the Chuck E. Cheese rats standing in the middle of a dump. <laughs> it's the fucking best picture ever. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like his, 
you know, th there's bits of his skeleton and like and like uh, uh, you, you know, computer boards, shit, and shit, the motors showing, and there's that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought, oh man, this is just so so vastly American, you know, and and uh, and I, I, I just talking to him on the phone and going, well, yeah, yeah, you Canadians do stupid things too, right? <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, "We should, we should have a, we should have a competing stupid things broadcast." So we're gonna put it together. That sounds, that sounds amazing. It sounds that. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because America can be really stupid. You, you, you know, America has all these roadside attractions. Uh, and and I said, well, you, "You have roadside attractions in Canada, don't you?" And I, he goes, "No, no, we don't. Why do we do that?" I'm pretty freeze to death. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where Paul Bunyan froze. <laughs> froze have... to death and died. And froze to death and died. He, he he attempted he attempted to to live through the night by cutting open babe and crawling inside, but it didn't work. <laughs> Oh. See that right there. That's it. <laughs> That's the show. That's the show. Beautiful. <laughs> Mick, this has been so much fun. Uh, before we get out of here, we do like to play a little game with our guests. We call it the quick fire round. It's five questions and you just answer them as quick as you can. Will you be willing to take part in this? Okay. Right. It's, it's, very, it's very easy. First question. Your go-to karaoke song. I don't see, I've never sung karaoke in my life. Can't say I blame you either. <laughs> the first well, ever concert. See, that was easy. That was yeah. easy. First ever concert you went to. Uh, it would have been uh, uh, Edgar Winter. Nice. Um, how do you take your tea or coffee? Uh, lots of cream. Uh, lots of sugar, and if it's tea, uh, I pour it out on the ground. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'll say that to British people. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Mel, Br uh, 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 um, Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. I don't know. So you're going to have to find out who that was. Find yeah, out who that, that one, yeah. Oh, and, you know what? Uh, I'll give you a, a Mel Blanc was the voice of Daffy Duck. He was the voice. Uh, he was the voice of uh, of uh, the rabbit. Uh, Bugs Bunny. Yeah. He was all those voices, and I always wanted him to, to. To I want him. I want him to play me. But when I die, I want him to do the voiceover. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, last question. If you could give young Master Mick Strawn a piece of advice, what would it be? Don't. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. <laughs> Best answer ever. <laughs> just, just don't. Just don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. Oh. Yeah, whatever. Oh, Mick, this has been absolutely amazing. Before we run off... That was you, five? Oh my god! That was See, I passed! I passed! Uh, you won! You won the ball! 
<laughs> have you got any plugs websites any to where people can get the book anything you want people to check out of yours you know what you just have to get a hold of me and uh, and I, I know that it's a challenge uh just get a hold of me on facebook you have to dm me uh because uh i am probably four years behind on um my friend requests um so if you really want the book you have to dm me or or see me at a con um I don't feel any compulsion to actually advertise or actually get you a book. So this is your job. And if you want to, ro- and if you want a roach motel, fuck you. <laughs> Perfect. Make can't, this- can't think of a better way to end the show. Been an absolute <laughs> pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are welcome. It's been a lot. Thank of fun. you very much. It's been great fun. Really Thank appreciate you, sir. it. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. See you guys. Take care. Bye. Uh, where's the lead button? <laughs> Hi, I'm Frank Guglielmi, and I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from Syscast, like Marty and Mars, Bounty Hunters, and a great part in Val Toby with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. My name is Mick Strong, and you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcasts. And I've got a big goddamn clip on my beard. Ah! Oh. Whew.